Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. So today, as James said, we're continuing our series, uh, That's a Good Question. And we found it really interesting uh, to think through some of the questions that were submitted and for us to think through, okay, what are the most, what are the most uh, like relevant topics, pertinent topics that we need to go through as a congregation? Um, and today, I drew the short straw, apparently, and um, we will be talking about what's probably the single most debated topic in our culture. Uh, that is the topic of abortion today. Um, we're going to address the question, what about abortion? That is, how, how do we think about this topic uh, and it, with a Christian worldview? How do we think about these things? Now, I want to acknowledge that this is an emotionally charged topic for everybody. There's not a single person that has thought about this topic at, in, at any length at all that doesn't have an emotional response to the topic. So I want to I recognize that today, that it's, a, it's an emotional thing. Um, it's particularly emotional for people who maybe um, you are a woman here or are watching online or listening online and you are, you're post-abortive, that you've had an abortion in the past. Or maybe you're uh, you know, a man involved in that situation where you uh, participated in that decision, uh, either maybe as a boyfriend or husband or grandfather or, or something like that. So I want to recognize that, man, it can be, this is an emotional thing. Uh, I served on, on the board of the local uh, crisis pregnancy center here for several years. It's now called Mountain Area Pregnancy Services. Um, and I've heard so many stories um, about how Lives are, are turned upside down um, by the reality of abortion. Um, several years, um, again, I just heard time after time, there's this, this uh, very real, very painful, but often silent uh, suffering, emotional turmoil that a woman goes through after making that decision, sometimes for the rest of her life. Um, uh, that's sometimes the reason the response to this topic is so emotional. It's not always the reason, but many times it is. And later, I want to specifically look at how the reality and the beauty of the good news about Jesus applies um, to those who have been involved in that decision. Uh, but for all of us today, I hope we can look at this thing sort of with, with fresh eyes. Uh, many of us are... Um, again, if you've thought about this topic at all, you, you're probably pretty firm and what you think about the topic, but I hope that we can look at it freshly today. Um, usually when this topic is brought up, the lines of division kind of run pretty deep, and the emotions run pretty high. And you know what happens when divisions run deep and emotions run high? Then objectivity goes out the window, and our ability to reason with one another um, respectfully uh, kind of tends to disappear. So I don't, I don't want that to happen uh, today. Um, the truth, I, I, I really believe the truth is that regardless of what our opinion is on the topic of abortion, I think all of us want to know the truth. I think all of us um, see this as it's a social justice issue. 
This is a civil rights issue. Regardless of where you fall on it, it's a social justice and civil rights issue. Uh, I think we all agree on that. Now, some would say that it's a social justice, civil rights issue in terms of it, it, it's really about the woman's uh, right to reproductive freedom, and therefore it's a social justice and civil rights issue. Others would say that it, it's uh, about the right to life for the boy or girl in the womb. Therefore, it's a social justice or civil rights issue. Again, um, I, think, I think, though, we all want to know the truth. We all want to know what is right, what is just, what is good when it comes to this topic. And so that's what I want us to work toward today. What is good, right, just, true, those sorts of things. So how do we know that? How do we know? How do we determine what is right and good and just, those things, um, in, in, related, in relation to this particular issue? Um, I'm going to share some things today. Uh, James said that I'm going to come share the Word of God. I'm not. I'm not going to share the Word of God today. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to a little bit of that at the end. But the reason is, I want to talk about the issue of abortion in such a way that it is accessible to people who even don't have a biblical foundation for what they think. Right. So if we're discussing this topic... Uh, not everyone s- sees it as a religious issue. And some people who see it as a religious issue or a theological issue would say, keep your theology out of the conversation. Right? Don't force your theology. I mean, I don't share your theology. You know, that, hopefully this will make sense more as we go. But the reason we're talking about it in church, which this is like the most taboo, you don't talk about it in mixed company, let alone uh, in a gathering of the church. The reason we're talking about it is because the stakes are so high. Consider the stakes on both sides of the issue. So if the pro-choice side is right on the issue about what is true and just and good in relation to this topic, if the pro-choice side is right, then pro-lifers everywhere are essentially seeking to oppress women. We're seeking to have their bodies be controlled by a government that's outside of themselves. We're seeking to have their civil rights truly violated in that regard. There, nothing would be more patronizing or demeaning uh, in that case. It'd be like living in a totalitarian society where the things that are closest to us as being humans, our sexuality and our ability to produce other humans is being controlled by an outside authoritarian government. Um, but if the pro-life side is right, then we would be allowing more than 3,500 innocent human beings to be killed every single day. And that, that would be um, 600 more than died in total on 9-11. And it would be happening every single day in the name of choice. So we see the stakes are really, really high on both sides. So I, I, we believe, James and I believe, we need to talk about it as a church family. And if you're not part of the church family, you're still welcome. This is a this is really a conversation for our community as well. So whenever the topic is uh, dicey, emotionally heated, it's always important for us to define what we're talking about first so we don't talk past each other, right? There's lots of definitions. If you read like um, lawyers start talking about things, uh, definitions can get a little crazy. And when people start talking to one another about things like this, we can kind of talk past with one another. So today... 
when I use the term abortion, here's what I'm talking about. This is what I mean. Abortion is the deliberate termination of pregnancy, which has as its goal the ending of the life of the unborn. That's what I mean. The deliberate termination of pregnancy, which has as its goal ending the life of the unborn. So, to be clear, we're not talking about miscarriage this morning. Miscarriages are not intentional. Put the word deliberate in there, which has as its goal the ending of the life of the unborn. So we're not talking about miscarriages, nor am I talking about the removal of a tubal or ectopic pregnancy, which has never been considered abortion in the medical community because um, the goal in removal of an ectopic pregnancy Um, is not to end the life of the unborn, it's to save the life of the mother, and if possible, save the life of the unborn as well. The goal is life-saving in the removal of an ectopic pregnancy. So this has never been considered abortion in the medical community. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. It's the opposite. So I'm talking about this morning the intentional ending the life of the unborn. Now, put all my cards out on the table. I am pro-life. I believe that uh, elective abortion, that is abortion by choice, uh, is morally wrong. That's where I'm coming from today. And I realize that probably not all of you have the same position. And I'm glad that all of you are here. So if you are pro-life this morning, I want to help you understand how to speak about the issue of abortion and issues surrounding right to life things in a way, again, like I said earlier, that, are, that is accessible to people who maybe don't share a biblical worldview, uh, because we believe that all truth is God's truth, and uh, we believe that this is a basic, moral, foundational, human issue, and I'll talk about it in terms of that this morning. If you're pro-choice this morning, I want to challenge you to not check out, um, to not um, be closed-minded. I would uh, challenge you to consider seriously what I'm going to say and weigh it uh, on its own merit. I I would challenge you to be bold enough to analyze your reasons for being pro-choice. Maybe you're undecided. You're like, man, I just just don't know. That's okay. Um, I want you to consider what we talk about today and wrestle with it and chew on it and and do your own homework and make a very well-researched, thought-out decision before the Lord. So, Abortion is the deliberate ending of the life of the unborn. So really then, it boils down to one question. What's the unborn? What is it? If abortion is the deliberate ending of the life of the unborn, what is the unborn? Question for you. Is, have you found the topic of abortion to be complex when talking to other people? Yes. <laughs> the answer to that is yes. If you've talked about it with anyone, uh, women who get pregnant uh, at a young age, maybe, may struggle with what to do. Few, few people think abortion's the ideal situation. I, I don't really know of anyone who thinks that. Uh, a lot of people are, again, like I said before, concerned about a woman's liberty and privacy. Um, many babies, should the mother choose to carry to term, uh, may be, end up being neglected or abused or may face struggles with um, not being able to be provided for by the birth mom or, or adopted moms, for that matter. Um, so the abortion issue is psychologically and emotionally complex. 
Second question, is it morally complex? I would answer that no, it's not. So yes, it is psychologically and emotionally complex, but I don't think that it's morally complex. Let me borrow an example from Christian thinker Greg Kokel to show you what I mean. He says this, imagine that you're standing at your kitchen sink washing dishes. And your son comes up behind you and says, Daddy or or Mommy, can I kill this? What's your first question in response? Kill what? Right. What what is it? Kill what? Wait. Turn. Kill what? (laughs) You know? If, If the boy says, you know, it's a brown bug. I think they call it a roach. You got one response. Here's the shoe. You know, kill it. But if the boy says... Uh, it's the neighbor's kitty. You have a different response. No, son, you cannot kill the neighbor's kitty. So it is with abortion. You cannot answer the question of, can I kill this, without first answering a more foundational question of what is it that we're talking about here. Um, no, there's, there's really no medical scientific denying that abortion kills something. But whether or not it's right or okay to kill any living thing depends on what that living thing is. Um, so the question of what is the unborn is more important than all other questions in this debate. Until we address the issue of what is the unborn, raising the different scenarios like, well, you know, what about this or, or what about that, those things would be secondary to what it is we're talking about, aborting. Uh, so, but before we answer the question of what is the unborn, I want us to walk through some of those scenarios, some of those common scenarios that uh, kind of play into our thinking with this to see why answering this question really, really matters in how we go about thinking them through. So I'm just going to take the most difficult and controversial one first. Um, We'll talk about um, what, what, if, what if the pregnancy um, has been forced upon the woman? Uh, to, you know, plainly, what, what about the, the instances of rape? Um, should a woman be able to abort in that case? Now, the goal here is compassion for the woman. So, um, you know, she's had... Someone forced themselves upon her. She's now had a pregnancy forced upon her. And every time she looks down at her belly, um, the memory, or sees herself in the mirror, or whatever. The, or maybe uh, if she carries a child to term, if she looks at the face of her own child. The memories of what was done to her, the evil that she endured, will be flooding back into her mind. It's a tough question, but let's, let's pause and ask the more foundational question underneath it. What is it that we're talking about? So if the woman has a two-year-old, for example, if a woman has a two-year-old that was conceived by rape, and every time she looks at the face of her two-year-old, she has those memories flood back into her mind. Would it be morally acceptable for the woman to take the life of her two-year-old because the two-year-old was conceived by rape. 
Would killing the two-year-old remove the trauma of rape? I think killing your two-year-old would make the trauma of rape worse. So the question is, if it's not okay to kill the two-year-old, why not? It's going to be a very important question as we go forward. One other thing to point out um, about this issue of rape, uh, somebody pointed out to me on Facebook, uh, it was really a great point. They said, you know the cry um, that a woman should be able to abort in this situation is actually probably born out of a sense of justice. It's probably coming from a, a righteous place because the issue of rape demands justice. Something's got to be done about it. Uh, and I would agree. But the person pointed out to me on Facebook that this impulse for justice is right, but it's wrongly directed. That yes, this situation demands justice, but not justice upon the unborn, justice upon the committer of the crime, the rapist. Um, so it could come from a righteous place, but it's just uh, mispl- misdirected. Um, and, and I want to let you know, too, this is from my, my own personal experience, when I've, I've discussed this topic with hundreds, literally hundreds of people, either in group settings or one-on-one, um, and when people raise the topic of abortion or the situation of abortion or of rape in relation to abortion, I always ask this question. I say, okay, let's say for the sake of argument, I'll grant that. I'll say that in the case of abortion, a woman should be able to, or of rape, a woman should be able to abort. Um, what about um, all the other situations? Would you be in favor then, if that's granted, would you be in favor of saying all other instances of abortion are morally unacceptable? Uh, because recent studies that have combined uh, government surveys and uh, uh, investigations from medical journals say that abortion or rape accounts for 0.09% of abortions. So what about the other 99.91% of abortions? Would you be okay saying that those are morally unacceptable? And to a person, I've only had one person ever, um, almost everyone says, well, actually, I think all Abortion should be up to the, to the mom. That's up to, that's up to the mother. So in my personal experience, that's always been the case, almost always. And so it's kind of a smokescreen to justify other cases of abortion. But I would say even in the horrible situation of rape, the question of what is being aborted must form how we view that situation. So let's move to the other cases. Now, some would say, what about the, if the health of the mother is at stake, then abortion should be allowed. Again, let's think it through. Let's suppose a woman's health was in uh, jeopardy because of her two-year-old. Her two-year-old had contracted uh, an infectious disease, and the woman's, the mother's health was in in danger because of her two-year-old. Would the mother be morally justified in taking the life of her two-year-old, ending the life of her two-year-old to protect her own health? The question would be, if not, why not? Why not? Um, Some may say a woman should have the right to privacy. Abortion should be legal and private between her and her doctor. But 
let's let's bring out the two-year-old again. Um, we don't allow women to abuse their two-year-old so long as they do it in private. Why not? Or as, as long as a, some doctor somewhere says it's okay for her to do that. Um, it's because a doctor's permission or a, a, the need for a woman's privacy does not determine whether we should protect her two-year-old or not. Some people might say, you know, man, some women can't afford a child or they aren't ready to be a mom. But if your two-year-old gets too expensive or your life situation changes, it's not okay to end the life of your two-year-old to fix the situation. So poverty isn't the issue here. Some people would say, I don't agree with abortion, but I won't force my morality on somebody else. Question would be, why would you not have an abortion? If, if you think it's because it's morally wrong to kill a, an innocent human being, and if, if the unborn is a human being, then civilization depends upon inf- us enforcing that kind of morality. Right? It's the way we enforce any, anything in that vein the same way. So hopefully we're beginning to see why the question of what is the unborn really matters. Because if the unborn is like the two-year-old, then things may begin to look a little differently. If the unborn is a human being like your toddler, should we protect her? So any reasons uh, given, uh, some people give reasons that say, yes, it's wrong to take the life of our two-year-old, our three-year-old, but under certain situations, it's okay to end the life of the unborn, and they give several distinctives as to why that is the issue. Um, This is why I'm always interested uh, to hear people say, well, a woman should have a right to choose. It's a that's an incomplete sentence. We should ask one question, choose what? I mean, we all agree that a woman should have the right to choose her career path, her major in college, who to vote for, who her husband is. Women should be able to choose all kinds of things. Uh, But some choices, like killing two-year-olds, are wrong. So what is the choice of abortion? It is the choice of killing the unborn. So let me, let's answer the question then, what is the unborn? I want to show you that scientifically, philosophically, theologically, morally, you see it on the screen, the unborn is an innocent human being, like the two-year-old. Right? And the unborn is not just any human being, it's an innocent one. It's not just any innocent human being. It's your own child. There's a t- anybody ever heard of a guy named Bill Maher? Has heard of this guy? He, there's a TV show with Bill Maher. Um, it's called Politically Incorrect. And he is one of the uh, episodes a while back was on abortion. And he had a guest named Kathy Ireland. She was a supermodel back in the day, and she's a business mogul now. Um, but he asked her, he said, all right, Kathy, why don't you tell us why you oppose a woman's right to choose? Now, we've already seen that that's a loaded question. Um, but she says, because when my husband was in medical school, I read his textbooks. 
And I read in those science books that according to the law of biogenesis, every living thing reproduces after its own kind. Dogs reproduce dogs, and cats reproduce cats, and humans reproduce humans. In fact, the law of biogenesis goes even further and says that living things can only reproduce after their own kind. Therefore, if we want to know what the unborn are, we only need to ask one question, what are their parents? Because human parents can only produce human offspring. And because of that scientific fact, Bill, she says, I believe that elective abortion is the unjust taking of human life. A brilliant response by Kathy Ireland. And all Bill Maher could respond with was, well, gee, Kathy, that's just your view. But is it just her view? Or was she saying facts? In short, we can say this, if the unborn is growing, it must be alive. If it has human parents, it cannot be anything else other than human. And living human beings, like you and I, are all equally valuable, aren't we? People um, give these reasons uh, for um, taking the life of the unborn because they see them, again, as being different from other human beings. Let's take a look at these reasons, and they fall into four categories. You'll see them come up on the screen. Those are the categories of size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. This is called the SLED test. So in your own mind, if, you, if there are reasons in your heart and mind that you think um, it's okay to end the life of the unborn... Um, maybe you can test it with these things. So first, some might say that the unborn, are, they're just really, 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 really small, and therefore it's okay. Um, they're not like the two-year-old. Um, they're smaller than we are. But let's think it through. Shaquille O'Neal is, t- is bigger than all of us. Is he more valuable? Is he more of a person? Uh, men, by and large, are bigger than women. Are we more valuable? Are we more human? No. Uh, So size is irrelevant to value. Let's say, um, let's go to the the area of level of development. Say, yeah, I know that the unborn is 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 it's human, but it's less developed. It's 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 less developed than a newborn or or a toddler for that matter. But think about it, toddlers are less developed than adolescents. Adolescents are less developed than adults. Think about if you have a, a, a small girl who's three years old, she doesn't have a developed reproductive system like her mother does. Her mother has capacities that the three-year-old does not have. Does that make the mother more human or more valuable than the three-year-old? You know, our brains don't fully develop until our mid-20s. But I would argue that in, when we're 17, we're fully human. So level of development is irrelevant to value. Third um, category is environment. Some would say that abortion is okay because the unborn is inside another person's body. A woman should have the right over her own body. And I agree a woman should have right over her own body. Think about this. I agree also that a woman should have right over her own home. Your home is a sanctuary. It's, it, the government shouldn't kick the door in and tell you what you do in your own home. But when other people are in your home, just because they're in your home doesn't mean you have the right to kill them. 
or abuse them. You can't, just because that's your domain, that's a sanctuary, doesn't mean you have the right over the lives of other people within that sanctuary. And so I would say that, yes, the baby is in a different environment. It's inside the woman's body, but location doesn't determine value. All of you have changed locations today many times, haven't you? You were at home, and you got in the car, and you came here, and later you maybe go to lunch, you go back home, or you go out somewhere the whole time. No matter your location, you are you. You are valuable. You are a human being. So these um, are, are some of the reasons that people give, and one of them is environment. How could it be that a seven-inch journey down the birth canal can change what abortion providers call products of conception or abortion tissue, change that into a human being worth protecting, just a journey of seven inches. How does that happen? It's, it's made up. Location does not determine humanity. Location does not determine value. Lastly, they would say, um, what, it, what about degree of dependency? The child can't survive on its own, right? So if it's, it's not viable can't survive on its own, then it's morally acceptable to end the life of the unborn based on the judgment of the mother and her doctor. So, the, sure, the unborn are more dependent. By the way, so are the aged. So are the terminally ill. They're more that we are dependent on things outside of ourselves, but does being dependent make us less valuable? If it does, we'd have to say that people on uh, insulin who cannot survive without it are less valuable than those who can. We'd have to say people with pacemakers are somehow less human than those without them. Or an astronaut, when she's in space, fully dependent upon her spacesuit, cannot survive outside of that environment. is somehow less human. And it's morally neutral to end their life. So no, I don't think degree of dependency determines value either. Um, so we can't disqualify the unborn for the right to life for any of those reasons, not reasons of size, level of development, environment, or degree of dependency. To borrow uh, a phrase from Christian philosopher uh, and lawyer, Frank Beckwith, he says, the unborn is not a potential human, but a human with great potential. Here's one thing we know. Human beings are equally valuable, regardless of our differences. We're valuable simply because we are human. So what we, these arguments have shown is not that the unborn is somehow less valuable or not a person. They've shown the opposite. The unborn is a person, just like we are. So human rights, including the right to life, I would argue are for all humans. And the unborn is a unique, living, human being. Again, I know this is like an emotionally complex thing. That's a lot to kind of drink in. But hopefully we're beginning to digest things. And I don't want to gloss over the difficulty of life situations. In this fallen world we live in, man, life can be really, 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 really hard. Um, and I don't want to gloss over that. Um, Jesus showed uh, special concern for the lame, for the blind, for the woman 
the issue of blood. Um, lepers, we got to do that today as well. We got to understand and have compassion. The woman in crisis facing an unplanned pregnancy or um, abnormal embryo development like Down's syndrome or something like that. You know, 90% of the time when a baby's diagnosed with probable Down syndrome, the family chooses to abort. Maybe a woman with past um, pregnancy issues. Uh, it's the case with my own mother. My mom had several miscarriages before me, and so the doctor, her uh, doctor recommended that um, abortion for me. Um, so I, I'm, I'm well aware of, of these difficult situations. Think about children that are born with severe disabilities, maybe. Mental retardation or things like that. Um, life's going to be really, really hard. These, these same thoughts, by the way, apply at the end of life. It's like they do at the beginning of, of life. Um, you know, again, I mentioned the termini terminally ill or an aged person. Maybe somebody who's disabled. Maybe their bodies exist in this world, but their minds are um, not present. Or maybe somebody in the opposite situation where they, their minds are fully well aware, but their bodies are, are prisons in, in many regards. What does the Christian worldview have to say about about the tough situations of life, about these particular lives, including those of the unborn. Um, Christian view is that human life bears the image of God and all have the same innate worth, regardless of capacity or function. There's an illustration used by... Um, Christian author Max Licato, he says this. It won't come up on the screen, but listen. His book, The Applause of Heaven, says um, he talks about a sweater that hangs in his closet. He says he seldom wears it. It's too small. The sleeves are too short. The shoulder's too tight. Some of the buttons are missing. The thread is frazzled. And for all practical reasons, he says, he should throw out that sweater since he has no use for it and will never wear it again. It simply takes up space in his closet. By all outward appearances, the sweater is useless. But love, he reports, won't let him get rid of the sweater. Why not? What's unusual about the sweater? Well, to start with, he says, it has no label. No tag telling you wash in cold water. That's because it wasn't made in a factory or produced on an assembly line as the product of nameless employee earning a living. Rather, it was the creation of a devoted mother expressing her love, his mother. That sweater is unique, one of a kind, irreplaceable. Each strand was chosen with care, each thread selected with affection. And so even though the sweater has, listen, has lost all of its use. It has lost none of its value. It is valuable not because of its function, but because of its nature and because of its maker. So is each life, the unborn life, the aged, the disabled. The quality of life statements hold no value. It's life is life. Listen to Psalm 139. 
13 through 16 says, For you formed my inward parts. You, God, knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. That's a a metaphor for the human body, depths because we're made from the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So what do we do with this information that we've walked through today? What do we do? Listen to Proverbs 24, 11 to 12. Rescue. Those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Now we know. Now we know. So what do we do with it if um, you're, you have been pro-choice? I mean, I implore you, listen to science. Listen to sound reason. Listen to biblical conscience. Change your mind. You're free to do that. By God's grace, you can do that. Uh, I'll give you a website. You can f- uh, further equip yourself, abort73.com. Uh, 73 just stands for the year uh, Roe v. Wade was uh, passed, abort73.com. There's real science there. There's testimony from uh, medical testimony by doctors who used to perform abortions. Um, If you are pro-life, you can go to this website, prolifetraining.org. They're my go-to source. They, um, uh, it's where I culled the information for this uh, message today, prolifetraining.org. Um, and equip yourself. So what if you're someone who has, give me just a few more minutes here, what if you're someone who's had an abortion in the past? What if that's you? I want you to hear me really, really well. The good news about Jesus is true. It's true for you just as much as it is for me. The good news about Jesus it's true. The, the picture painted by our popular culture is that abortion brings freedom. It does not. I have talked time and time again to post-abortive women, and uh, the turmoil is real. You, this morning, may be just really dealing with guilt, maybe shame. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? There is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. Not a single one. No sin that the blood of Jesus, not my sin, not your sin. You do not have to be crushed by guilt. Jesus offers to take that from you. Give you his yoke. He says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Cast your care, cast your sin upon him. That's what the cross was about. Jesus says, if you'll turn for him, 
or turn to him, you can be forgiven. Your sin can be wiped away. It really can. Give your life to Jesus. The one who gave you life to begin with will give you new life, give you everlasting life, will give you righteousness. And when Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. The gospel remains true for you. Um, I want to encourage you to reach out to another website or phone number that's coming up on the screen. MTNPregnancy.com, that's Mountain Pregnancy Services here in the area, and that's their phone number. They have a special private, loving, gospel-centered counseling that you can go through. Everybody do me a favor. Everybody, something you're not supposed to do in church, take out your cell phones. Everybody. Take out your cell phones for me. And I want all of us to take a picture of the screen. That way it's anonymous. Every single one of us take a picture of the screen. You can use that phone number for yourself. You can use that phone number for a friend. Um, They can offer you very real, very practical help. You're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. Um, Maybe you are here today and you are considering abortion. I don't know who's here. Maybe you're watching online. Listen, you can honor the Lord by allowing that baby to live. And whether you choose to become a parent and mother, you're already a parent, if you choose to raise the child on your own, uh, Mountain Pregnancy Services will be there to help you. If you choose to, to make a plan for the loving adoption of that child, Mountain Pregnancy Services will be there for you. Also, in those, both those scenarios, we as a church will walk side by side with you. We will be the church to you. You're not by yourself. We love you. Jesus loves you. We're, we're in. We're in this thing together. Um, we're grateful to be able to do so. I want to pray for us. Um, I want to pray for emotional healing. Only God can provide. I want to pray that those of us who need to seek the Lord for forgiveness will do so. And he will give it because Jesus bought it. You seek it in his name. Um, I pray that the Lord, maybe this morning, has put a rock in our shoe. You ever had a rock in your shoe? It bugs you to death, doesn't it? Uh, So I realize that minds usually aren't changed on the spot. We have to go home and think about them. But that rock in your shoe will bug you until you face it. Maybe we can do that today. I want to pray, and then um, we'll talk about the Lord's Supper. Lord, thank you that the gospel is true. The good news about Jesus. Lord, I know when I think of my own guilt, my very real deserved shame, I cannot bear it. But thank you that, Jesus, you have offered to to bear my guilt so that I don't carry it around anymore. You've offered to cast it into the sea of unforgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, you choose not to hold our sin against us anymore. So, Lord, if there are those among us 
who um, need to have repentance. That is a change of mind. We pray, Lord, that you would help us. There are those among us who need to seek forgiveness. Help us to know that it is available in Jesus, but only in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would set us free today. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.